Hey, this is Dr. Mike Barnett. It is an awesome privilege to fill the pulpit every Sunday at the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Having you listen to our messages on this podcast is an incredible blessing as well, and I pray that you will be encouraged in the Lord as you listen. It is vital that you commit yourself and your family to the Lord through the ministry of a local church. While it is a great blessing to have you listen to our messages, no one will be able to minister the Word of God to you or your family like a local pastor. So please do not consider this podcast as a replacement for your presence in your local church on Sunday. Be faithful, get connected, and God bless. I'm really, uh, this is a great time to be a pastor in a Baptist church. Uh, We have some exciting things planned in the summer. I'm very excited about Vacation Bible School this year. It's going to be a great time of evangelism and fellowship among the workers. I uh, do what I do every year and went down to uh, our family minister and said, uh, what do you want me to do in Bible school? And he asked me to be in charge of snacks again and uh, assigned me to snacks. That is a great experience. Last year, under my leadership, the snacks were very successful I only, gained, I only gained 15 pounds, but anyway, uh, I'm excited about Bible school, and if you are interested in working, you can go to our website or see him, but that's a great, great ministry to young people and to children in terms of evangelism. I'm very excited about Proverbs with a pastor. It'll be my 21st year, uh, except for two years that we, or one year that we missed during COVID with Proverbs with a pastor. And we are going to be going verse by verse through Proverbs 18. And we're going to look at two major points. The kind of people who destroy relationships and then the kind of people who develop relationships. That's all in Proverbs 18. And I'm very much looking forward to that. And I'm very excited about continuing through 2 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3. Uh, This is a great chapter that we're in, and we've spent several weeks on chapter 2, verse 1. Now we're going to move to chapter 2, verse 2, and following a little bit. But this is a great chapter. I want to encourage you to read it. You know he's talking about false teachers, and he's warning us and telling us of their ever-present presence among us. And um, I just love chapter 2. It it speaks to a guy like me... uh, you read it, and it talks about some angels. It talks about uh, hell, fire, and brimstone. It talks about a talking donkey. And it talks about hogs, and it talks about dogs. It's an amazing chapter. It really is. Uh, makes me think I'm back down on the farm. But anyway, um, it, it's real interesting. And you're going to love this. It, talks, it tells us that the false teachers are like hogs and dogs, but it tells us also that the true preachers of the Word of God are like talking donkeys. Don't you love that? Amen? I hope by the time we get through that you... I, I really do. Now, I'm, I'm saying this is comical, but I'm saying it in sincerity. I hope and pray I'm more of a talking donkey than I am a dog or a hog when we stand before God. And we'll see that. It's incredible. Uh, chapter. 
But today we are in chapters 2, verse 2 and 3. Last week and the week before, we were in chapter 2, verse 1, and we were talking about false teachers and their character. When we get into chapter 3, we're going to see more of their character, what they're after, what they want to do to you and to me. But we saw a general picture of their character, what a false teacher is like. Today we look at their converts. What about the people who follow after these false prophets, these false teachers that are here? What about the gullible person? What about the person who we thought was grounded in the Word of God and all of a sudden they are off on the deep end, doctrinally speaking, and speaking uh, false doctrine and teaching? What about them? Well, our text tells us about the converts, the followers of false teacher, and it's very telling. And so let's read together. We'll begin with verse 1 just for the sake of continuity. It says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their their damnation slumbers not. So in terms of false teachers and false prophets who are bombarding the church today, there's just three things I want to talk about today from these verses. First of all, let's look at the appeal of the false teachers. Their appeal. Well, verse 2 says, many shall follow their pernicious ways. Now, it is important once again to understand that Peter is not talking about some cult leader or some guru that shows up at some time in a culture's history and persuades the masses with his popularity. He is talking about unbiblical, false teachers, teachers who do not hold to the Word of God in their fundamentals nor in their practice, And these people slither somehow into the church. They slither in like a snake. And they poison a congregation or they poison an individual or a group of people. That's who Peter is talking about. And they are within the church. And this is a constant battle. It's a constant warning for us. As a matter of fact, somebody this morning was talking about this, how much of the New Testament, one of our members, how much of the New Testament, all of the epistles, have to deal with some type of false doctrine somewhere, somehow. 
So if you read through the New Testament, you're going to see texts of Scripture over and over and over again that deal with this incessant issue of false teachers and their doctrine. It's a constant battle, staying true to the Word of God. And Peter tells us two things about the appeal that these false teachers have. It's an amazing thing, the appeal that they have within the church. And so let's look at the first thing he says. First of all, their appeal is successful. They are successful in what they do. The Bible says, and many follow them. Now, the word many, there are just, there are just over 7,900 verses in the New Testament. Don't start to count them now. But there are, over 70, there are about 7,900 verses over 7,900 verses in the New Testament. This word many is found in almost 5% of those verses. Almost 400 verses. It's a key word in the New Testament. Many. Sometimes it's translated great. Sometimes it's translated, uh, one time it's translated plenty. And it is a very important word, the word many. And you know what it means? You want me to give you the Greek background of this word? Here's what it means. Get ready. A lot. That's what it means. It means too many, too much. In this case, it means one is one too many. False teachers will always be successful in every generation of the church. Their work is as old as their chief, Satan himself, who approached Eve in the garden and said, Did God really say this? You got it wrong. He didn't really say this. And if he said it, he was lying. And this is the new truth. And that false teaching has been with us for 2,000 years in the last days since Jesus came the first time and will always be with us, and they will always have a following, and they will always be somewhat successful. But why are they so successful? What is it about them that makes them so appealing? Well, it's because their appeal is sensual. Their appeal is sensual. The Bible says... They muster many followers because of their pernicious ways. That's a strange word. I don't imagine, I know one thing. This, early this morning when I looked over this text again was the first time I've used that verse today, that word today. How many of you got up and used the word pernicious? Maybe when you were on Highway 90 coming to church. But I'm telling you, it's a strange and unique word, pernicious. But that's what their ways are like. And what it means is unbridled lust, shameless, brazen, licentious. It carries the meaning of excess, excessive ways in reference to their sinful lusts. What they crave, what they desire, what their sinful flesh goes after. And false teachers will always be successful because that's what they appeal to. They appeal to the sensuous. In other words, false doctrines 
and their proponents appeal to the lust of the eyes, what you can see. It looks so good to the lust of the flesh. It feels so good to the pride of life. It makes me somebody that God says I'm not or that I am. The sensual, what looks good, sounds good, and feels good, whether it be financial, whether it be sexual, whether it be prideful, whether it be the strokes of, of uh, ego, whatever the case may be, that's what they appeal to. And eventually, false teaching will always lead to loose living. We're going to see in the next chapter the two main things that a false teacher wants. And if you will read that chapter and come here it preached, you can look back on the history of the church, quote-unquote, in America with the fall of the mega ministries in the 80s and, and their rise in the 70s and their fall in the 80s and some of the things we saw in the 90s and the things we even see now, you will see that the Word of God just plays out. False teaching appeals to the sensual and always leads to loose living. So that's why. I guess the, one of my favorite authors uh, is with the Lord now. His name is D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. You've heard me speak of him and quote him before. And he put it in terms that just expresses it so much better than I could. Uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this about why they're so successful, why people follow after them, why, why it seems like sometimes you can have a stalwart, sound member of the church and then all of a sudden they've gone off the deep end. Or you can have some situation that just seems that people are flocking to and it's not true, it's not right, it's not biblical, it's sensual and people see it and then a, a whole lot don't see it or they do see it and go after it anyway. Well, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones explains that. Let me read to you. Why is it that many are always ready to follow various false teachings? Surely there is one adequate answer to that question. It is because the false teaching makes it easier for them to live the kind of life they want to live. It is, in a sense, the immoral life that calls for wrong teaching. There is a strange interaction between the things. It is the apostate state of man that always encourages false teaching. The false teaching, in other words, panders to a man as he has fallen from God, and man welcomes the teaching because it excuses the life that he lives. That's pretty true. That's it. So people within the church are always at a crossroads. I'm always at a crossroads every day. Peter says in verse 1, there will always be false teachers and they will always have many followers. And the word follow here in this text has some great truth that we need to consider. This, what I'm about to share with you, is how you and I can go astray. This is how you and I can go after false teaching. This is how perhaps even the new Christian in a church can go off the deep end and get away from the one true God, from the God who saved him. This is how lost people within a congregation or a church today, the church at large or the local church, can 
follow after false teachers. This is how it works. And if we're not careful, we can be led astray. Now, the saved man's going to get corrected and come back according to the uh, epistle of 1 John, but that's another sermon for another day. But let's look at that word follow, and I want to give you the three stages of a false teacher's following, all right? Three stages you, you go through. First of all, the word follow is a great word in the New Testament. It's a compound word, and uh, it has the prefix ek, epsilon kappa, E-K, on the beginning of it. And it means out or away from. And this speaks of the direction of a false teacher. How they will direct you away from truth. How they will direct you away from the rightly dividing of the Word of God. Teachers who do so. Remember, they're very subtle. And they won't deny Scripture at first. I, I told you, nobody comes into a church to fill a pulpit and, and, and begin a ministry and says, oh, by the way, I'm of the devil. I'm going to lead you astray. Just want to be upfront about it. Nobody does that. They're very subtle. And what they say seems to make sense to the flesh and to the mind that is not trained and renewed by the Word of God. And so they lead you away from such teaching. They are very unique. This is, this is how they appeal to, and let me say this because I don't want to be rebuking to anybody, but this is how they appeal to the Christian who is lazy in their approach to studying the Bible. This is how they appeal to them. This is how they get into their mind. So you got to be diligent. That's what that's what First Peter or Second Peter chapter one talks about: being diligent in your pursuit of knowledge of the Scriptures, so nobody can lead you out of it, and you know what truth is. And so that's uh, the meaning, the, the prefix of this word "follow." Well, the main part of this word is a longer portion of the word, and it's "akuletheo." Can you imagine such a word? Aren't you glad we're Southerners in Mississippi? We can just say, follow. Well, this speaks of development. And that word in the New Testament is used in a few ways. First of all, the word means to accompany someone. So the false teacher comes and he's out of the Word of God. He's not in it. And he's far from it. And what does he do? He calls you to accompany him. And you accompany him right out of the Word of God. Right out of the Word of God. Do you hear the phrase, you hear anybody ever say something and somebody says, well, how did he get that out of the Bible? Well, that's probably exactly where he got it. And you just accompany them. This means you listen to them. So the first stage of being led astray is you listen to them. You listen to them. Step one, you let them in your home over TBN or whatever broadcast it is, whatever station it is. You listen to them on the radio. Somehow they uh, infiltrate into the local church and people begin to listen to them. Well, that word means to accompany someone. It also means to become a disciple of someone. 
to become a disciple. So the second stage is you begin to learn from them. You begin to learn from them. So you might be one who has listened to false teaching and you've learned from it. But you know what the good, things about, uh, the good thing about something that can be learned? It can be unlearned. And you just got to get your mind renewed by the Word of God. Well, the word also means to side with a party. That out of the mainstream, out of the group, you side with a, a party, you have a division. And this is when the third stage comes, you begin to lean on them. They become your go-to guy. They become your guru sometimes. To have to lean on them, toe the party line. I, can't, I, I don't understand what that says. Let me go talk to my teacher. Let me go talk to him. Now, I want to tell you what. I, I've been a pastor for a long time. I have uh, been a student of the Word for a long time. And I want to tell you one of the greatest things I can ever have somebody say to me, one of my church members say to me, is not, Dr. Mike, I'm having a quandary in life, and I need to know, can you tell me what the Bible says? That's a good thing, and I, that's what I'm called to do, teach the Bible individually, small group, congregate, whatever. But I want to tell you one of the greatest testimonies to my preaching is, is when somebody comes to me and says, Preacher, I had a problem, I had a question, and you know what I did? I went to the Word of God and I found it. I don't need you. I don't need your help today. Well, I need yours. But anyway, so don't run me off. But anyway, they learn to lean on them. But a false teacher, he wants you or she wants you to be tied to them. It's part of their ego. It's part of their sensual nature. That's what they want. And so that's the appeal of a false teacher. And there are your steps. Listen to them. Learn from them. And then lean on them. That's all contained in that word, follow. And the second thing this text teaches us about, the converts of a false teacher, is the effect of the false teacher. False doctrine leads to loose living. We need to be reminded, in verse 1, Peter is talking about the damnation and the destruction and the judgment of God upon false teachers. That's pretty much what the rest of the book says. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about the fallen angels. We're going to talk about Noah's and the flood. We're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. All those things, all three of those had a false teacher that they followed. All three of them did. I'm going to tell you who they were next week. Well, when somebody follows a false teacher, there's a, an effect about it. Uh, you, uh, you fall in line with their damnation and their destruction. And Peter, in this verse, chapter 2, verse 2, gives us the effect of false teachers and the harm that they cause, the problems that they cause, and that their converts cause. So let's look at, at this verse. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Three little phrases. Number one, by reason of whom. He's not talking about the whom does not refer to the false teachers. The whom refers to their followers. 
So when somebody follows a false teacher, this verse is talking to them. Their followers are being emphasized. Verse 1 talks about the teacher. Verse 2 talks about the converts. And he says, by reason of whom? By, because of their converts. Because of those masses, those many who follow after these false teachers, the way of truth. What is the way of truth? Well, that's correct, accurate doctrine and the right proclamation of the Word of God and the gospel. That's the way of truth. This gospel of truth, the Word of God, rightly dividing it verse by verse, staying true to what it says and what it teaches. That's the way of truth. And what a false teacher does in these days is when I first started out, a false teacher would come and they would, uh, they would take a text of Scripture and they'd just play gymnastics with it. I mean, they'd twist it every way and mess it up. They still do that. That's still part of it. Uh, today, uh, these false teachers... The Word of God is not their authority. They get a word of knowledge or they get some extra revelation. And the, the Word of Faith movement, that's what it's all about, is something that God is giving them in addition to the Bible. Remember what we said a couple of weeks ago? All false teachers have a Bible plus something. And here it is. They just plus it on out. And ere long the Bible's forgotten, and they become the authority. They become the one who has the wisdom of God rather than it being contained in the written Word of God. And so the way of truth goes by the wayside. And this is what they'll say. They'll say, well, uh, that's not what Dr. Mike says. And they'll say, well, your pastor doesn't have this insight. This is special insight. He, he's, he, he doesn't have this insight. He's, he's, he's too uh, traditional, you know. He, he doesn't wear skinny jeans. He's still far away. You got you to, gotta, this is, this is uh, something that only a higher level of spirituality, you know, people who've had the experience of the Holy Ghost, they'll say, which makes it sound so biblical and wonderful. And so he's really off the wall. Good friend of mine and a good friend of yours called me up a couple weeks ago and said, I, got, I need your help. I need some advice. He said, we got a guy coming into town and he's setting up a big conference and center and he's, he's into some very false doctrine. It's, it's crazy stuff that he's teaching and milking the people. And he said... I had to stand up and say something about it, and he's got kinfolk in my church. And he said, I said, well, did you know they were kinfolk before you addressed it? And he said, I did. I said, well, I'm proud of you. You, were, you took courage. He said, what do I need to do? And I told him, I said, well, you just need to pray. Might need to fast a little bit and pray and just preach the Word of God. Let Turn the lion loose. It'll handle it. Amen. And uh, everything come, come out all right for him. Uh, that's the way of truth. But that's what they said. They said, well, your pastor there, he, just, he doesn't have these insights. And they're very subtle 
about it. So by reason of whom the converts, the followers, the way of truth, the true word of God, and then the next phrase says, shall be evil spoken of. The word means to blaspheme. The word lumps, this world lumps all together. Now what I mean by that is, is to the world out there, to the lost world, anybody who claims to be a Christian is a Christian. And it doesn't make any difference where they go to church or what they're a part of. We're all the same to them, every one of us. One of those big mega ministry gurus fall, and I remember when, um, when PTL collapsed and, and Baker, Jim Baker, collapsed morally and financially and had to go to prison. Remember that? And I can remember people saying, well, these Christians. Well, I was a Christian, and I didn't make a dime off that debacle. And I mean all kinds of, they lump us all together. And that's why it does so much harm when one of their, when their pernicious ways, their lust and the motives are really exposed. And the church, the whole body of Christ is humiliated. And the whole body of Christ is affected. And as a result that we're all lumped, the way of truth is evil spoken of in the world. It's evil spoken of in the world. When the followers of a false teacher manifest their, that teaching in their lifestyle, the truth of God is spoken against by the world. Followers of falsehood fail real evangelism. It fails evangelism. They don't look in distinctions. They don't say, well, that, that ministry over there, they preach the truth. They, these people call themselves Christian and claim to preach the Bible, but they really don't. The world doesn't make that distinction. And that's why we're all in the same boat. And that's the effect of false teachers. And uh, you know what's interesting? Is sometimes the old lost pagan guy out there, he sees more clearly the false teachers than church members do. Isn't that amazing? But they lump us all together when one of them falls. The harm that is caused is immense, is immense. That's the effect of a false teacher. And then the avarice of false teachers. Avarice is a good word to describe a false teacher. It means insatiable greed, namely for riches. It carries the idea of inordinate, excessive Remember the word pernicious, unreasonable, unrestrained. In other words, covetousness. Look what it says in our text. They are covetous. Covetous. Knowing this first that, that uh, and, and through covetousness, verse 3, shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Covetousness. What their flesh wants what they desire. And folks, let me, just, let me just tell you this. This is why the local church is so important. This isn't in my notes. This is free. You don't have to tithe to get this. But that's why the local church is so important. Parachurch ministries are great. Many of them are great. I, I, I've supported many of them through the years. 
But I want to tell you what, it's where the local church is, where you place your membership and you're accountable to that group of people you worship with and serve the Lord with. It's where a local pastor comes and he's accountable not only to God but to the people to be true to the Word of God. This is a place of accountability. But you know what? Church membership in the United States is dropping off dramatically. It is falling by the wayside. Many new church-type ministries, this is their business, not mine, they don't even have membership because people don't want to join anything anymore. Nobody wants to be accountable to anybody anymore. They don't want to have that accountability structure that keeps them true. Why? Because, we are, because the whole world appeals to our lusts. Our lusts. But this is why the local church is so important. Amen? And I know one thing. If I ever got up here and preached some of that crazy junk, you'd run me off in a minute. You wouldn't, even, you wouldn't give me a severance package. You wouldn't even give me a chicken sandwich. I mean, I'd be gone. And so I should be. Amen? So I should be. But it's what they do and why they teach. And here's how it works. The Bible says in verse 3 of our text, they want fortune to please their fleshly desires. This could be anything. It could be sex, as we're going to see in chapter 3. It can be wealth, as we see all throughout chapter 2 and 3. It can mean anything. Their own greed, their own lust, what they desire, their ego, whatever it may be. That's the fortune they want to please their fleshly desires. That's what verse 3 says they do. And as a result, these false teachers, a result of their desire for fortune, they will use feigned words. The word feigned means formed from clay or stone, fabricated. It's the Greek word plastos. And guess what we get from Plastos, what word we get? Plastic. Basically, it means fake. Amen? It means fake. And so they used fake words. You talk about fake news. Well, there's a lot of fake preaching out there and fake teaching. And they use, so they want fortune and they use feigned words so they can fool you and me. They want to make merchandise of you. Isn't that what verse 3 says? Merchandise of you. Manipulate you. Exploit you. That's an interesting word, that word um, merchandise. And some of the younger people may not uh, hear this word, but uh, you'll, uh, if you're my age or a little older, you'll know about it. We get our, it's the word emporiumai. We got our word emporium from it. How many of you ever shopped at an emporium? Oh, my, I got a young congregation. Good grief. In Texas, we had emporiums everywhere. You go down the Rio Grande Valley, you'd have the taco emporium. The car emporium. It was an empire of merchandise. And that's what they want to do. They want to make you an empire of merchandise. You heard of a tourist trap? Well, that's what they are. They look shiny, sound good. Oh, what a nice stop that would be. And ere long, you not only stop there, you're lingering there and you're listening, learning, and leaning on them. That's how you are trapped in it. 
False teachers will trap you to gain from you, manipulate and exploit you for their gain. This is how they work. Oh, a couple of years ago, I get a text from one of the medical doctors in our town. And right after the text came in, he called me. And he said, have you looked at my text? And I said, I have not. He said, you need to sit down and look at the text. I want your thoughts on it. And I said, well, when I get time, I'll sit down and watch it. He said, it's a video. You need to watch it. And I figured he may be cutting on me one day, so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I tagged it, and the YouTube came up, and it was Kenneth Copeland and Jesse Duplantis, big leaders in the Word of Faith movement, false teachers. And they were convincing their listeners of why his list, the listeners needed to donate everything they could to buy Jesse Duplantis a brand new jet, private jet. And that got me interested. It really did. And I listened to it. And this was their reasoning. If we fly commercial, we can't hear from God because the engines are too loud and people want to stop and talk to us all the time and we can't hear from God. So I need my own jet so God can speak to me and I can in turn tell all of you what He says. Well... Have you ever heard such a thing? Now, if you gave money to that, I have some oceanfront property. Amen? In Arizona, like the old country western song said. Well, so I called my doctor friend back, and I told him what I thought about it. And I told him, I said, well, when I'm on an airplane, I fly commercial because I don't have a jet and uh, I don't, uh, couldn't afford to charter a private plane. I've only been up in a private plane one time. I was preaching in Vivian, Louisiana, out in the country, a country church, and the pastor was a pilot. And he said, let me take you up in my little plane. And I said, well, we'll go up there in the plane. Come on. And he loaded me up, and he got in, and it was just a cracker box of a plane. And we started flying around those piney woods up there. And he turned in a direction. He said, I want to show you something. And he said, you see that big tower right there? And I said, yeah, we're heading right for it. He said, those are the things you need to stay away from when you're flying. I landed on the ground, and I'll never be in another private plane again, especially when preacher's flying. So I told that doctor, I said, I fly commercial. And I said, but look, I said, these guys need to learn this. It's not, look, if you want to hear God speak, you need to read God speak. Amen? This is what, where God speaks from today. 
This is the Word of God. It's the completed canon of Scripture. And you say, well, I want something new. You can't handle what's old. Why do you want something new? Start obeying what's old. You say, well, I can't understand what's written. Start obeying what you do understand, and God will, will open your eyes up to the truth of His Word. This is a powerful book. And so they fool you, and they make merchants. I don't know if he ever got his private jet or not. I hadn't tuned in in a long time. Maybe they did. But what are the takeaways from this? Let me give you some takeaways real quickly. False teachers are followed because one is sinful and they want to continue in his sin while being excused and the false teaching fits the bill. Let me ask you something. Are the Bible teachers, quote-unquote Bible teachers that you listen to or the preachers you listen to, do they allow you the privilege of being lazy so you can lean on them in your pursuit of Bible knowledge? Do they, do they make you in your fleshy existence, your, your, do they make you comfortable with your flesh, your sinful flesh? Or do they make you uncomfortable? Does what they teach and preach make you uncomfortable? A number of years ago, uh, Miss Barnett came home, my wife, Miss Tracy, came home. She'd been with a group of ladies in town and some ladies in our church and some other ladies from other places. And uh, she was so impressed. I'd clean the house, clean the kitchen, all that, you know. That's a false doctrine. But anyway, <laughs> she came home and she said, um, have you ever heard, do you know so-and-so? I said, yeah, I've met, met him a few times. What about him, well, this lady is under his ministry, sits in his church. And she was telling us about what uh, he's been preaching lately. And he's been preaching on grace. And she said, it was so eye-opening to me that now I know that even though I am doing this and doing this, I am still in fellowship with God because of grace. And a man in our church who is in an adulterous relationship is at peace with God now because he's learned about grace and how a Christian cannot really sin. And she didn't have to ask me what I thought, like my doctor friend, because she knew what I thought, and she thinks the same thing. Right, Miss Tracy? I won't tell you what, that was being taught. We call it cheap grace. And it's still out there. Fortunately, I hadn't heard uh, from any of its proponents in a number of years, but I won't tell you what, it's still out there. I have books in my library that I read. I do read the, the crazy stuff just to keep up with it and because uh, I know sometimes some of you may read it, amen, and I want to help you. But uh, I won't tell you what, it's, it's out there. But see, it's a teaching that is based upon the flesh and sensual. And it appeals to the sensual so that you're not uncomfortable with your sin. Us old-time Baptists used to say, I like it when a pastor steps on my toes. Well, 
I never want to intentionally just on purpose step on your toes, but you know what? That's what the Word of God does. Another takeaway, false teachers will lead their followers into sin. Verse 3 says they will be judged. Their judgment refers to verse 1. It will be swift. And the followers will become a twofold child of hell like those who followed the Pharisees in Matthew 23. What about the person who is simple and gullible in, in terms of the faith and falls to false teachers? Well, that's where... That's where you and I come in. That's where discipleship comes in. And it may be on you if they fall to false teachers, if you hadn't discipled them. The whole counsel of God, another takeaway, the whole counsel of God must be preached in the churches and the true gospel proclaimed to the world, verse by verse. People must develop discernment by knowing the Word of God. You've got to know the Word of God so you can discern. If you commit to learning the Word of God and follow through on a daily, consistent basis, you and your Bible and the Holy Spirit, and be faithful to a Bible-preaching church, if you commit to that, I want to tell you what will happen. You will know it. You will learn it and you will know it. God will keep it in your heart and mind. Another thing is doctrines do matter. Doctrine does matter. What the scriptures teach does matter. That's a huge question these days that I get from the young people, millennials. When we discuss doctrine, it inevitably comes up. Came up not too long ago. What does it matter? Well, it may not seem to matter right here and now, but perhaps on earth it will matter one day, but it will sure matter when you stand before God. And then another thing is belief always dictates behavior. When we get into chapter 3, we're going to see a little more of this, but let me give you this adage, and I'm going to give it to you again in chapter 3. This is something you need to know. Listen to this. This is the fundamental difference how you identify a false teacher. You ready? The true Christian teaching, preaching, Hearing the Word of God, you and me who want to know God's Word and apply it to our lives, our beliefs will dictate our behavior. But the false teachers and their followers, their behavior will dictate their beliefs. And it's called willful ignorance. And their authority is in and of themselves. So that's the followers of false teachers. That's where they are. And if they're not saved, they'll go right on to the destruction of false teachers. They'll join their teachers. But if they are saved, they'll come back. And you've got to pray for them, and you've got to work with them, and you've got to be patient. Matter of fact, that's, that, that's the whole New Testament. Paul wrote to the Galatians, and he wrote to those Galatians, and he says, Brothers... You're my brothers in Christ. Why are you so easily being led astray? Get back. Get back to where you started, son. Get back. And they will come back. God will take care of that. God will create such a disturbance in their heart about what they're following. But once again, try the spirits. You watch the Word of God and you study it. And when somebody preaches, you weigh it against that the Word of God. Let's all stand for our song of appeal. I hope this helped you and encouraged you a little bit to be true to the Word of God. There's nothing like it.
Nothing like it. This is Cole Andrews, the family minister here at First Baptist Church, Ocean Springs. I want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into our podcasts and sermons today. We surely hope you have been blessed by the Word of God. I'd like to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com, to learn more about our church. We sure would love to see you in church on Sunday. May God bless you.